You are listening to a podcast from Dundalk FM, Dundalk's local community radio station. Do get in contact if you would like to find out how to join our team of sports, music, news and current affairs community broadcasters on dundalkfm.com or find us on Facebook. And good evening listeners, we have another edition of Fado, Fado, Fado for you in this gorgeous afternoon. Nearly weren't coming in at all, three of us here, one yeah. missing I think he's away uh, probably uh, enjoying himself somewhere or another and I'm only just back from uh, uh, the southern parish mm, Cork yeah, we have yeah. a, and we have a Cassidy clan down there and there was birthdays and everything over the weekend mm. you're just recovering now myself yeah. and the good lady now mm-hmm. three hours great on the motorway now you can you can uh, I think it used to take five or six in the olden days and we have the senior partner of the panel uh, back with us here again tonight he had a, a few little problems and uh, was laid low and his good wife as well but nevertheless he's here tonight and he has uh, a strange story for us but uh, over in the f- corner there we have Eamon uh-huh. and uh, he missed uh, last week yes. I swear there was only two of us here yeah. last week yeah. We, yeah. 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 one of these days there'll only be one and then, <laughs> then Shane will have to be pressed yeah. in yeah. we'll go, a youngster. We'll solo job there. we'll go up the street and get someone so we'll, we'll start off with the master here himself and strange story from a way back again Seamus <coughs> Tiernan where are you going tell us this story I will Cahill thank you very, very very much this goes back to the year 1933 the year Funnily enough that I was born, and Mr. Kavanagh was also born the same year. Now, it turned out anyway that on a certain morning, as the the night duty police were finishing their night, their job, <coughs> they noticed an elderly man, quite an elderly man, wandering down Park Street. So when he was approached, uh did the guard invited him up to have some breakfast now when he went up the guard couldn't help but notice that he seemed very bulky that his clothing was very bulky so he, on inquiry he was told that the man told him that it, it, that was his money so the guard couldn't believe this so he said put it out on the table which the jury did. And uh, it turned out there was about 10,000. Uh, Packets of probably one pound notes, weren't they? No, there were dollars, actually. Better again, dollars. Thank but goodness. this, you see, what, I, what, what struck me about this was this was 1933. So $10,000 would amount to a fair whack of money. But apparently... 10,000 anything in 1933 <laughs> would amount to a, a fair... fair it would, of course, God. So he apparently it transpired that uh, he became disillusioned with the American system. Well, I wasn't surprised to hear that because... He had come back from America with all had, this money. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The Great Depression was just That's over. Right, yeah. Yeah. But he didn't trust the American system. <laughs> Obviously he didn't trust the Irish system either <laughs> if, if he had a <laughs> if, he had been, if he had been wise. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, the, 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 the sergeant of the guards suggested that he, instead of wandering around the street with, uh, with so much money, that he pay a visit to one of the local banks and lodge it there. <coughs> and the immortal words, Colombo, 
very good lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> and off he went. And it was reported in the paper, no, the Dundalk opportunists were leaving well. And the following, the following week, there was a few applications made that they were related to this particular gentleman. Right, yeah. Whereupon the guards that were having none of that. <laughs> and there the story stopped until about six months later. He didn't go to visit the bank. He went to Liverpool and... Taking all his money with him? Well, as it, as it turned out. But he was found sitting on two suitcases on a, on a Liverpool street. And he just didn't know. He was completely disorientated. He didn't know his name. He didn't know where he was from. He was gone. And the guards took him, the police in England, took him away. And the last they heard of him at that time was he was in a in a Liverpool hospital. Now this got the curiosity going in me and I wondered if a man was sitting on the street with 10,000 cases, whatever happened to money? That's a mystery, isn't it? A mystery on the money. Mm. So I decided to do something about it so I I presented myself at the Garda station here (coughs) and I spoke to a young guard and to see yes says, I, I have a story to tell. Can I see some guard? Well, to see what's the story? Oh, say, I'm not telling you. <laughs> not telling you. But can I see some guard in a private room? So see, they're all out in cars. I says, hey, well, that's okay. So I made an appointment with the, the public community officer that he would call on me. Now, I was tempted to go about it myself by approaching the Merseyside police. <coughs> but, how far would you get? So it was so long ago. But, as I argued, and I think I might be right, that rec- everything that happens is recorded. So I left and I met, I met, I met the community sergeant. We'll leave his name out of it for the moment. <coughs> And I, I, I pointed this out to him, and I never heard another word. <laughs> so 10,000, 10,000. So the mystery still exists anyway. Nobody yeah. knows where it went or what happened. Yeah. Anyway. But I, I would be suspicious. There would be a certain suspicion in my mind. Ah, no, you shouldn't be suspicious. Of this was of the Liverpool police. Exactly. Well, you say, well, where'd it go? Mm. There mm. was no further report appeared mm. in those yeah. reports. So the old story, you can't prove anything. <laughs> so I must, I mu- if I'm ever in Liverpool, I'd go down into the archives because his, de- his <laughs> death would be recorded. And uh, well, still who I'd never find out about the $10,000. Anyway, one of the things that we have to do, funny enough, when you mentioned 2003, we did mention before, we all should uh, do a particular history of a particular year, and you should probably do one on 2003, because I remember doing a little bit of research down in the the library, and that particular story, I did notice it in the Democrats. 
that particular story. Yes, the, yeah, the, the I, didn't, 10, I, didn't, I didn't follow it up as much right. as, as Seamus did. Oh, but yeah. the reason I was um, mm-hmm. looking into Democrat was I was looking for, and I found it, the opening notice for uh, Cassidy Brothers, who opened their emporium in Park Street in 1933. Very good. Because my father and mother got married. Right. And uh, between himself and the brother and the wife, and I think there was also uh, uh, another, an uncle or something like that, the relationship, they bought the pub and grocery, as it was, from somebody who had... um, Oh, gone bust, I think, <laughs> a bit like present day, <laughs> for £500. There was no such thing as mortgages or loans or anything from the banks in those days. It was all saved or borrowed from relations. Mm, yeah. And it was all paid back within a couple of years, oh, you know. Yeah. So they, 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 they worked day and night, I suppose. And um, they were the days when uh, uh, you did work day and night nearly. Mm. I think they opened that started at nine in the morning and they wouldn't finish until nearly midnight and that was the days of washing your own bottles bottling your own beer corking your own beer labeling your own beer and uh, having meal delivered on a pony and trap so there was and halfway up your leg was water well, the, I remember what the uh, I can remember seeing them out in the middle of winter, yeah. breaking the ice to, to to get the water and then boiling it up in a big boiler. Mm. And uh, what they had in front of them then was a sugar bag tied in front of them, like as a sort of a, and in front of that a bit of um, oil oil skin or something like that to keep the water away from the from the sugar bagger that gets soaked soaked. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't what you call easy work. It wasn't a, a lot of people want to be publicans these days to think it has been a, an easy. Well, I don't think they are with the recession. But uh, that was uh, I 1933. Would remember, yeah, I would remember that call down in Paddy Deary's yard. Well, Paddy Deary was in. He was indulging in the same thing, like uh, bottle, bottling. <coughs> and I can tell you, I wouldn't like to stay there very long. Now, it was a tough, a tough old job. Mm-hmm. You say it's one here in the Argus stand here. I think it was before the Argus actually um, uh, was printing, so they must have gone back into some other... It's about June 1944, and this was uh, all about the Normandy landings. Oh, yeah. And it says, The town of Dundalk was hit by electricity so- shortage as troops land on Normandy beaches. And uh, it wasn't the troops caused electricity shortage, obviously. No, but I'm just trying to. to it says because of the, uh, fuel, there was uh, an. Oh, all right. Yeah, just yeah. generally speaking, yeah. there wasn't. And it says because of the se- severe shortage of fuel, Tishuk, Eamon de Valera, made a direct plea to the Loud County manager, among others, in the country, to ensure that turf production was substantially increased. But you would remember that <coughs> that call as well. We all headed <coughs> for Annaverna, and uh, I do remember that because uh, not not we uh, might have spread that mad dogs loose, but we did try. Yeah. The, the <coughs> only thing about it, I think somehow or another, an awful lot of it was. Uh, I know ours in particular. It was brought in on a lorry, and all hands were out busy saving the turf, I suppose as you'd call it, and. Um, 
but it was brought in and it was put at the bottom of the yard but it ended up somehow or another I suppose maybe 1944 um, things got better as the war ended in the following year and it ended up we had a little bog of our own down at the bottom of the yard and uh, myself and some of my pals we used to slide slide down the galvanised r- roof of the garage yeah. onto the bog and it was like it was soft landing <laughs> it was like a, a speci- specially made for us well they had they had uh, great big mountains of turf down the fair green that's right <laughs> I remember that Vaguely. and they were marked they were marked at night with uh, whitewash to, to more or less indicate to the authorities if any was stolen during the night mm-hmm. they also had the same thing with, 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 with the coal mm-hmm. I see the referee in the World Cup doing the same now. He's putting a whitewash line oh, in front it, of the wall. Is, is, that, is that whitewash or is it shaving cream? <laughs> well, he doesn't want them to break the... the in other words, when he's... Idea, he can't, they can't move beyond that line. Yeah, I thought it's a good idea, that, yeah. yeah. I, the GAA are having problems with that at the moment. I would say, a four, especially in hurling, mm, mm. you would have a 14 yards free. Mm. And there was one fella, I don't know where he was from, but he acquired the skill of throwing the ball forward, and this gave him about a 10 yard advantage. Right. The ball was nearer yes, the goal, yeah, yeah, so it yeah. wasn't 21 yards free at all. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're in, the, in the process. Mm of adjusting that mm. and there's a story here from 1964 which would, would be all of 50 years ago about a new marketing HQ opened at Carroll's Tobacco Factory and uh, it said uh, Mr. Sean Lamas uh, who was the Taoiseach then at this stage he urged other Irish companies to follow Carl's mo- modern programme of development and he unveiled a tapestry of St. Brendan the Navigator by Louis de Brouquet at um, and he, the Taoiseach said that St. Brendan's example should be applied quite aptly for he had shown particularly particular native initiative and energy as had Carroll's. Politicians always come out with some rubbish no, but like Carol, that. Carroll's factory was a very important they did a documentary on, on, on the building itself and whatever, no, I wouldn't understand it. It wouldn't be architecturally uh, up to that thing. But uh, the but the man who was doing the the, the the documentary explained how Carroll's factory was one of the most important factories built in Europe. Well, it did preservation very well. order on it. it. Did very well for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, DKIT have it now. That's right. So yeah. and it's still being developed. So it's it's yeah. still a growing yeah. concern. Yeah, and yeah. they can't touch a, a piece of it, or they can't yeah. modify no. it. Or but no. this this was actually in Dublin, mm. and uh, it said the the new HQ in Dublin had been designed with the maximum flexibility, with full facilities for conferences, and the first closed circuit television in the country definitely been in the oven and here's another story about cows but this was another 30 years later and this was about it'd be a bit like all the pensioners are worried now but what were they worried about in 1994 300 pensioners who worked for PJ Carls won a battle with their former employers in June 1994 
the pensioners defended their rights to maintain their right to 60 free cigarettes a week from the company. Nowadays, the employers would be... Of course, be they'd, they'd be tax-free. They right, wouldn't go yeah, through yeah. the... But I suppose yeah. 60 cigarettes was a yeah. big deal in yeah. those yeah. days. Yeah. So yeah. the company had contacted all 300 to inform them that the benefit they had enjoyed since their retirement was being withdrawn and no compensation was being offered to them. In response, the pensioners formed themselves into a group calling themselves the Carl's Pensioners Association. Oh, that was original. And, uh, that was an original and title, and I tell you. Immediately started <laughs> negotiations. I wonder, Carl, with all those people. <coughs> so they were made an offer of compensation. This is, yeah. I think that's what well, it was well, all well, about. What I was going to say was <coughs> that those people that got the cigarettes, and you know, you hear a lot about illnesses from cigarettes and all that. Yeah. Well, the, so the company did the right thing. What they did was they provided a free doctor and prescription service. Yeah, but they also provided free disease. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> but that's the point. They were withdrawing that. Uh, yeah. You know. yeah, the cause of the illnesses. In, in, as compensation, yeah. this is what they gave. The, and they also yeah. agreed to pay mm. 75%, that would have been nice now at present time, of the VHI charges and to provide also a free tax consultancy service for them. So they did very well. It was a wonderful, it was a wonderful place to work in. Mm. Of that, there's not the slightest doubt. Mm. But it was kind of soul-destroying because the girls would go in there at 8 o'clock, <coughs> work till 1, 2 to 6, and they you know, like it was fairly repetitive, boring work. Mm. So they thought up a good idea. And that was, they would rig up an electrical you know, radio thing and they would sing as they worked. Yeah. Now, the management were so, so pleased with all that. Right. That, it was Jim Carroll or one of those, yeah. one of the important yeah. people. Yeah. They, they had this piped into their office so that they could enjoy some of the things. And there were lovely singers in Carroll's at the time. Now, as well as all mm. the, those things that they were given the free prescription and doctors and all that uh, for the loss of the cigarettes they, they agreed to provide £600 was paid to each pensioner with pro rata increases on top of that depending on the grade of the workers with the maximum payment of £2,000 so but the conditions that was a good deal yeah. they got but the conditions that they worked under I remember now I lived in Broughton Street <coughs> And the conditions, you see, that you, the girls coming down St Mary's Road, before they ever got near Broughton Street, you could smell the nicotine. <laughs> you know, well, if that was on That's the if road, you were kissing them, like, wasn't it? That, yeah, well, if, we, if they come up the entry, we would. <laughs> but you, you could guarantee yourself to be poisoned. Uh-huh. Well, right enough. Like, of course, I suppose it's only when you don't smoke that you. Um, in a, we were in a hotel in Cork, and had this little area at the back of the hotel where we were, co- were co- coming in from the car, and uh, it, you were only a, a couple of yards away from it, and you could smell the smell of cigarettes mm. from this area that was used. <laughs> Remind you the old days, Catherine. Yeah. Well, as I say, now you'd have to ask yourself the question: If that was on that clothing. What about their lungs? Yeah. Well, well that's, that's the way, that's the way. Mm. Here's another one from 1974, and this was the longest, it's topical enough, the longest loud council election. 
count finally comes to an end. And this was the local elections uh, in Dundalk, and the count lasted 58 hours with the election of a new urban council. Uh, just I'm sure the last one was longer than that. Well, I suppose huh. at, the, at the end of some of it, but mm. this, would, this would be on and off, I suppose, 58 hours would have been... Uh, it would run into three days, I suppose. Um, was there anything strange down Cabin way over the week, Eamon? No, but today is Broomsday, yeah. Seamus. Uh, it was on this day that uh, James oh. Joyce met his woman, Nora Barnacle, an uneducated, not a bit interested in literature, around, oh, but he oh. fell for her, and to celebrate the day he met her, he wrote a book called Ulysses, which was set on this day. An impossible book to read. An impossible book to read. It was and banned in every country, <laughs> English-speaking country in the world. He couldn't get it published. The only publisher that would publish it was a pornographic <laughs> one in Paris, yes. uh, the Olympia Press. Yeah. Yeah, but what was the name of the team? I, I, I had, had a cutting there. There was a team in Cabin. Huh. They always wore red. Oh, there's the Cornafane team. The Cornafane. Yeah, the yeah. Cornafane. You yeah. tell us about Cornafane, who they were and what they did. And they were undefeated for years. Yeah, the, 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 they worked as well in that the, they brought in players from other parishes that were very well managed and were yeah. quite determined to do well. well some, of the, some of the great names. John Joe Riley. John Joe yeah. and yeah. Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he captained the, the Cavan team in, in 47 that won in, in the polo grounds, beat Kerry, the famous gallant John Joe. And, of course, that's the, the Cavan national anthem now, you oh know. <laughs> but they, 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 huh. they, they had a policy... That it didn't matter who they were playing, if mm. they were wearing red, there was no no change in colour. Right. Yeah. And we're going uh, back to your your, your uh, story about Bloomsday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, a few good. Uh, one of the things that was in the paper this morning was about James Joyce. He uh, would be the equivalent these days of uh, the Voice of Ireland. He invented, yes, entered a competition and he won. A bronze medal. So you had a singing voice. Oh, well. yeah, very good. And fancy yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the yeah. reason he yeah. only got a bronze medal, and I was very annoyed <laughs> about this, <laughs> he was all set for the gold, yeah. was he sang two songs. Right. And yeah. went down very well with the... the yeah. But then he was handed music to sing a third one, <laughs> and he couldn't. <laughs> couldn't so read. He only got the bronze medal, right. so yeah. two other people came yeah. in ahead of him. Because in the but day... who has the, the bronze medal? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Flatley is that right? paid fourteen thousand yeah, for it yeah, uh, yeah. about ten years yeah, ago yeah. when it came up yeah. come up for sale. Yeah. There was a story, yeah. an apocryphal one, that um, urban legend that he threw it in the Liffey. He was so disgusted. James but did. No, not apparently. The real story was he came home and he he yeah. threw it to his yeah. sister. I think it yeah. was. And he says, "You can have yeah. that." Yeah. I couldn't care less yeah. about it. Yeah, because he wrote the dead, and in the dead there was all that. That's the way they entertained themselves in those days. And the other one, of course, that's been uh, much uh, more yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Dubliners, ah. which is a series of short stories. Ah. They're much more ah. easy, easy to read, if you like. You know, yeah. they're all about Dublin people, and of course, they have this centre now in yeah. North Great George Street in Dublin, yeah. and they had great fun there yesterday. And people reading on the street, yes. you know, you could actually. 
do your party yeah, piece. Yeah. <laughs> but the great, the worst of the whole lot of them was the last one he wrote, which was Finnegan's Wake. And people still to this day, they can't make head nor tail of it, you know. The riots in Dublin over Finnegan's Wake. I don't know. Yeah. Finnegan's Wake is supposed to be about reincarnation and, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, the, the famous story where, where your man was drunk and he died and he sat up on the bed. Do you remember that famous, the Dubliner yeah, well singer? That's supposed to be based on a particular uh, uh, incident mm. in his own life hmm. where a drunken Joyce was thrown out of the National Theatre Society rehearsal in a hall on Camden Street. Yeah. And... Uh, he was involved in an alter- altercation that left him with a black la- black eye <laughs> and other injuries. So <laughs> it was a sort of a, a yeah. autobiography in its own yeah. way. Yeah. But it was unusual to write a novel the length of Ulysses, and it was set in the morning where he got up in the morning, went down, and he had his liver oh, in yes, the, yes. and he sp- the whole novel was spent from morning till night, uh, the whole day, uh, the whole yeah. who he met yeah. and all that. And of course, uh, they said about Nora Barnacle that uh, uh, Brendan Behan's mother says, "Oh yeah, she she she's Barnacle by name and Barnacle by nature. Mm. She'll stick to him anyway." Yeah. <laughs> well, part of that book where, where you would have yeah. a single sentence could go on for. Yeah. 10 or 20 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Genius. Yeah, I well, see the latest, the, the latest now, the woman there, Eam or something or other, that won, uh, the, the one, the, the, that uh, literary award in England, an Irish woman. And her style is much the same as, uh, but she couldn't get, she, she waited for 10 years to have her book published. She could, well, we've reached the halfway stage, it's yeah. that time already, and we're coming back to, uh, Seamus, you picked. Uh, uh, an Irish tune. We have two Irish tunes tonight. One of them an unusual well, that Eamon picked, but the one that you picked was Danny Boy, I've and this is sung by lovely singer, uh, same name as myself, Eva Cassidy. Well, so I picked that one, Carl, on account of this man who wandered the streets and to get back to his own country, even though he was full of money. Mm. Well, it's a lovely tune. I, I Seventy-four again. We mentioned that um, Loud County Council election, and there was a trend then, something like what's, what's happening at the moment. It said the election showed that while the two major parties, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, dominated the rural areas, there was a very obvious trend in the urban area where tenant and community groups gained influence. It says among the, the remarkable performance was Jimmy Bellew. An, an independent but representing Marion Park who topped the poll with 1,181 votes far outstripping the established Fianna Fáil candidate of Joe Farrell it says the members elected were Jimmy Bellew outgoing Joe Farrell Fianna Fáil outgoing Seamus McGuinness independent outgoing George Beryl's Fianna Fáil outgoing, Bridie O'Rourke, Fine Gael, outgoing, Dermot Keelan, Fianna Fáil outgoing, Fra Brown, Sinn Féin, John Carroll, Independent, Frank Carney, Labour, Michael Coburn, Fine Gael, Tom Bellew, Fianna Fáil, 
and Hugh McGann Finnegale. All names from the past 74. Mm-hmm. But uh, another one here for, um, which would be, well, of interest to myself to a certain extent. One of Dundalk's oldest buildings, the Queen's Hotel, oh, on the right. corner of Earl Street, was sold yeah. for the price of £30,000 yeah. in 1974. It's amazing to see it, it supported there now at the moment. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, a buttress up against it to, right, in yeah. case it, it, it falls over. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Well, the only thing, obviously, huh? is knock it down. But knock it down, yeah. Just the times that are in it. It's um, and to have it disguised so that right, you wouldn't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's the obviously derelict uh, at the minute, is it? Oh, right. yeah. Well, there's nobody the using it. The whole building was yeah. derelict. Yeah. 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 But one night I was I was standing there having a pint, <coughs> and uh, there, uh, there was there was there was this traveller. Now, what would you call a traveller? What, what do you call the, the ladies' dummies? Mannequins, are they not? Mm, 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 mm. And this man, this man, he was there with his rig, and he asked Harry, who was the manager, where could he stay? Well, he asked me first, which is how you've been in hotel. So, business was done, and he went upstairs, and he came down about ten minutes later, and he said to Harry, uh, there's no hot water. <laughs> there's no hot water upstairs. And without batting an eyelid, Harry says, I'll get one of the girls to bring up a couple of, of uh, what's it called, kettles of water. So that's what you're up against. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it dated back to 1772 when it was first built and it was called... Williams Hotel. Yeah. Over the years, it saw many many historic events, including a public hanging at the Market Square. Is that right? Yeah. That's one of the yeah. yeah. It was a stopping place for the coach, wasn't it? As well, there's some and connection with the the coach had stopped there. Well, they, they had the original buses there that stopped ah. at the Market Square. Ah. Everything happened ah. at the Market Square. Well, you had Square. the whole thing. You had the livery yard. Yeah. Right yeah. down the yeah. street. So the horses would be put up for the night as well yeah. as the the passengers. Yeah. Yeah, and a, a couple of other items that happened in 1974. Weyenberg, uh, 127 redundancies at the uh, shoe factory. It didn't last. It didn't last very long. It didn't really. Yeah, so it was. It was oh. a lot of it was produced for the American market, and I suppose that can be fickle enough. I suppose by the time they got going, it probably somewhere. It's a good else. and dark name, isn't it? Weyenberg wouldn't really know. Well, it was when it was here. It was a no, it's, a, it's not. It's not an Irish name. Unfortunately, it's not an Irish name. Obviously, was it, uh, it Swedish didn't. or something? Well, good Weinberg. It came from America. So What's that? Yeah, it could be anywhere. Oh, and what kind of shoes did they make? I don't remember. Well, were well the distinctive shoes there. Or they were a quality shoe. Yeah, right. For the American market, you know. Right. So obviously. Yeah. That didn't last too yeah, long, yeah. and uh, I might have ended up with a pair of them. In that, when I was in Medjabon, uh, do you remember the time the Winkle Pickers came out and, and uh, destroyed the whole shoe market? And um, and you tried tried a pair of them, didn't you? No, there were just there was a lot of them. The factories couldn't get rid of them, and it ended up in a huckster shop down in Medjabon. And he he had a couple of pairs. It's the 
best quality, oh, top class shoes. Yeah. And he was saying, I'm sure he, someone could use them for digging the, the garden. <laughs> <laughs> you could nearly dig the garden with them. He had a leg of trail at the front of them. Yeah, yeah. Sharp but it was, it was, it was terrible the to see. The shoe trade was big business. Ah, but it was def- devastated at that time. Uh, by the 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 cheap uh, the cheap Ital- the Italian yeah yeah, yeah. well the Italians ca- cornered a lot of the fashion market mm. you know mm. Milan yeah. became the shoe capital of the world mm. and uh, yeah for design see and y- you could never get a woman with a pair of shoes like that if you're at a dance you know there's a woman telling me that women at dances weren't allowed to refuse to dance somebody someone asked you to dance that is right you know well, I don't know when Mullingar anyway, Mullingar that was the case so she had a cute plan was that she'd stand there very demure looking down at the ground Maria and someone would come over to ask her depended on the shoes if he had a big pair of Weinberg shoes or old fashioned shoes she pretended she didn't hear him All but right, if he had a pair of winkle pickers on him she'd look up and say thanks very much so yeah, that's that's, that, that's right. how you got your woman. Yeah, you, you, ma- you, you mentioned there. Did you have a pair of those shoes, Winkle Pig, the pointy no, toe ones? Did you not? Big broad feet I made sure we know. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and you no, still got the woman. There was a ploy that we used in those days as well. That any girl who refused one of our gang a dance. Right. One of the better-looking fellas, which wasn't me, <laughs> was sent over to take him out. And when she got round, he would say to her, Are you able to knit? <laughs> well, now, off you go and knit. She never refused anyone again. All right. <laughs> <coughs> Another item in 1964 uh-huh. was Double Delight for Lad in Croke Park. Mm. And obviously Lad were doing better in 1964 than they are at the moment mm. because uh, they beat both Offaly and uh, Wexford <coughs> so uh, <coughs> at the t- Frank Lynch was playing for them, you mentioned that he said, says here he played the shirt off his back <coughs> and at one stage just when he was about to score he was mowed down by uh, 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 an Offaly forward and uh, should have been sent to, uh, should have been sent to the line but he was let off with a warning uh, of course, mowed down is a great, great GA term, you know, the people yes. are always mowed Mo- down. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> Very oh. dramatic, you know. Yeah. But you see here, do you remember the time there was a water shortage in, in Dalkal? I remember when I came first, uh, the water being cut off at night. And, and I see here that the Mukno scheme in 74 is when the... That's right. And they solved the problem. They did solve the problem. We're still yeah. getting our water from yeah. there. And yeah. very successful it is. And never had any problems since. No. Yeah. yeah. And the first thing that they tried to solve, well, with the pressure used to, used to huh. be very bad. That's right. Are you? And they still have, I think, um, oh. to, to, to get the pressure up, they have a reservoir up at Cuchulain's Mount. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's only a small one. Mm. I think it's mm. just it keeps the pressure mm. uh, high mm. in the town, mm. which... Um, but, yeah. uh, but it was a great gravity. Gravity would be <coughs> a big factor. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, they say that the water from Mokno is fed by gravity as far as Dundalk. Oh, it comes from the Fane But then, but then they have to pump it up to up, uh, up to the reservoirs to, to, to feed the town. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Harp always, uh, when they were advertising their beer, they always said that uh, the water that makes Harp comes from 
the Cooley Mountains. Yeah. Fresh. Well, sounded good, didn't, didn't it? it? Yeah. yeah, it was a good market and play. That's why he always drunk hard. Yeah, well, Mr. Jamro was very sure of it anyway. <coughs> That's uh, the, the Cooley water. Well, I suppose when you think about it, somebody... Where did it come from in Cooley? It must have been... More qualified. A river it? out there, was it? When you see as, as it flow as it flowed down there and through the rocks and mm, mm. it would acquire all the minerals. Oh yeah, 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 be purified. But uh, is th- there's no lake out there in the same, I don't think. Is there? Not really. No. Came from the river. A river probably. It was, it was just rainwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we we we'll, we'll have a quick look at uh, I, Peter, I, even I, though he's not here. Peter, Cameron, uh, yeah, uh, his um, trip through time uh, he has um, a headline here that many of the older houses in Dundalk were built of red brick and Dundalk was once known as the red brick town there were so many red brick uh, buildings and a lot of this was due apparently to um, there were three separate brick walks in town at one mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that, Seamus? No, no, do I, I, know, I know there was one out this too, I think. There's one out in, in Castletown Can called you? Manistee's Brickwork. must have been oh, the same people yeah, who had, yeah. uh, remember that they had uh, the a foundry. Uh, the foundry, because yeah. Because uh, even uh, up in the station still was lovely brickwork in mm. the station with cream bricks and yeah. uh, red bricks. This is the town land of Castletown, we'll say, where the Louis Convent is. Must be yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. those yellow bricks, how would they be? What were they? What yellow clay. Yellow clay. They weren't coloured. It depended on the clay that, that gave the brick the colour. Yeah. They were never painted up or anything? No, no, no. No, it is. Well, a prominent local builder, James Wynne, who built the houses at Vincent Avenue and Wynne's Terrace, which is called after yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, lived at Roden Place and he ar- had a yard at Castle Road and Wynne had a share in the company that operated the Bricks Works mm-hmm. built many of the red fronted houses in towns and yeah. Vincent Avenue would be one of those Yeah, and you often notice Cahill as well that the top quality brick was put on the front of the house and well, if you were round the side <laughs> then there was a, a, a lower class brick and yeah. probably the back of the house then had a a third, if that third at all, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a back at all yeah. in them. Seconds and thirds, yeah. Say, yeah. Or sometimes even the corner bricks were of a higher quality yeah. than the. You're right there, Raymond, because the backs of the houses. I remember now where I lived. Huh. The front, the front street hmm. was beautiful, but the yeah, back, yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah. and whitewash and tar and all that. Was <laughs> and there was another uh, uh, builder called James Macadori, mm-hmm. who. Um, used local red bricks and he had a thriving yard at Seatown Place and he built many Catholic churches throughout Ireland and probably used those bricks as well mm. And Did he build St. Patrick's? Uh, no, it says here he built uh, St. Joseph's oh, mm. St. Empress yeah. yes, right. and that was completed in 1892 mm. St. Patrick's is much earlier yeah. so maybe he wasn't on the go at the time yeah. So there was two. There was two churches built then in the one century. Then, was it? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's what that, that's what that's. There was a great church built in that time, wasn't it? Well, that's, yeah. That was one of the things. That was I the, suppose the, that was, was the uh, church was at its peak that's then. Right, you know, it really Catholic and it had to be. Yeah. Be a fine big church. Oh, wasn't yeah. it? No yeah, point yeah, in having yeah, a little yeah. church. Yeah. Or the uh, bigger, the better. Yeah. You had to impress the the opposition. That's what it was all about. In other words, Evan, we have arrived. Castletown Brickwork sadly declined before the advent of World War One.
and uh, some of, more of the houses were, were constructed by Thomas MacDonald and Sons, builders of Castle Road, and mm. uh, paid for by money raised by the Dundalk Urban Council. So I suppose that was the beginning of Urban Council building and um, bricks used in the construction of the buildings at Clark Railway Station, which was once known as the Junction Station. Yeah. That was completed. Very high, very high quality brick in it. I often use the the railway station. Oh, yellow brick. Very, very. The same as as, as the Derry Hale Hotel had, you know, beautiful top quality uh, bricks. Peter has a bit here. That he said uh, the late Canis O'Mani, who had taken a great interest in those things, he, he told Peter that the yellow and black bricks <laughs> used in the station were manufactured in a brickworks near Dungannon right. and brought to Dundalk by rail mm-hmm. while they were building the station. Mm. So um, it probably came from the quality of the clay as well, you know. Yeah, the, the each uh, each um, area okay. would have had their own particular clay and their own colour. But they were well fired and they blasted so long. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, that's one thing about it is yeah. that. Um, basically, ceramics, when you think of it, you know. There's a few questions here now, Peter or Seamus. You might know some of them. <laughs> here <laughs> we go. Here we go. Up on the scaffold. Uh, here's one here now. I don't know it anyway. Who were the Celtic or Celtic or Celtic Harriers? There must have been a, a running club. There were a football club. Oh, football club. Football right. club. That's as much as I can tell right. you. Right. Because, because usually Harriers means something. Runners, yeah. Runners, yeah. 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 But, uh, I suppose you can call a football club anything <laughs> you like. To be, you, you know, uh, <laughs> what about down your country they used to have the cabin slashers didn't you that's right yeah yeah you had to terrorise the the opposition before you before they came out on the field I I, I, I made a list of all the the football teams in Lourdes and unless they had something of a nationalistic yeah yeah Cooley Kickham Kickham was a a, a writer down in Tipperary wasn't he he was kind of a patriot as well yeah yeah, but yeah. you had extraordinary mm. names. Mm. But it was it was never just Dundalk. No, well embellished. And another of the questions is fairly you, you know that one, and I would even myself. And the memory's not as good as it used to be. Where in Dundalk was the Maypole? Ah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a Maypole as such. Yeah. No, it was a shop. Was a grocery shop. A yes, grocery yes. shop. Yeah, Where? There was a band. There was a band. Lucy Sorohan's uh, Corner, wasn't it? No, 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 no. No, it was Central Town. But there was a man there, his name was Old. I think it was it. He was George McGoldrick's father. Who, and he was in charge of the butter, as you remember, Carl. Mm-hmm. arrived in boxes. No, indeed it did. Yeah. And he would take it out. Now, he was absolutely. One little swipe of the clappers, mm-hmm. and he he would be within a half an ounce of a pound, yeah. and it was a it was a work of art. Mm-hmm. He had to hand make the, yeah. the butter. It came in large oh, quantities. Yeah, it was quite a big, a big wooden box. Right. And it was in a and sort of a, it wasn't a square. Uh, it was uh, it uh, sloped, uh, you know. Uh, so the thing would hold uh, hold uh, big. Um, uh, if you like block, square a block of, yeah, yeah, yeah of butter yeah. would come out yeah. and then you had to cut it and as Seamus said Wait. you had to have two mm. um, slappers slappers that slappers, you, you yeah. know, <laughs> with, with, with marks on them there was <laughs> ma- I'll tell you what there was many a house in town 
and the same boxes acting as chairs. <laughs> I think our own uh, presenter here, Jim Ryan, whom you often call in to see on do, Sunday, do, uh, he sat. worked in one of those establishments. I don't know know he, was he was in Fagans. Yeah, but I think he was neither yeah. from a colonial or okay. Maypole. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, knew, I knew George McGoldrick, so the father worked with in some shop, was it? Then? His, his, his father was the, the chief butter man in, in the Maypole. In the, in, oh, in the Maypole, yeah, was yeah, it? Right, yeah. I see. Yeah. Obviously, one person would be given the job yeah. who was good at it. I think, where did George ah, work? George worked in Duffy's, wasn't it? George was in Duffy's, yeah. 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 And there's another one here now, which I should know, but I don't. Uh, where in Dundalk was the Criterion Bar? You know that one, Shavis, no? No, 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 maybe no I don't. The Criterion. Mm. Oh, the Congo. Ring a bell. Doesn't ring any You know where the Congo no, was. You know all about the Congo oh, already. Yeah. Where was it? We don't, we don't, we haven't the answer. The Criterion, no, we don't know. Yeah. We'll have to get the paper tomorrow and then <laughs> we'll find out. The Criterion, yeah. no, no, it doesn't ring a bell. And the other one, which uh, I don't know really, it's a sort of a a trick question. <laughs> it's all about um, what caused much amusement when it was found in a litter bin in Thomas Street in 2006. That could be anything, couldn't oh, yeah. Amusement. Must Thomas been. Street, yeah. yeah. That's across from us here, isn't it? It's just. Yes. Oh, well, it's Shane, you were. Maybe Shane was found in it. <laughs> Maybe Shane was in the, by, in the no, bin. Don't let's <laughs> be perched. Lose the run of ourselves. We're, we're coming to the end yeah. of the uh, program. Yeah. And uh, you have the last aim um, <laughs> control yourself over yes. there and, and uh, tell us about this tune, yeah. which again is a bit strange. It's, it is uh, a strange... It's an Irish, an Irish tune, but the only reason it's Irish is because... It's about the Irish in America. Yes, but and like of all people, it's... A black man, Louis Armstrong. Yes, and he was taking the mickey out of them in that. Obviously, the Irish, no more than at home, Irish dancing was, was the big thing. And then the modern dance came out, like the, the you had Cayleys at home, and then you'd have Cayley in old time. Yeah. And then the Foxtrot came in, and the Foxtrot was probably the smoochiest uh, dance of the whole lot. So oh, the slow waltz was even well, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So Louis took the Mickey out of them anyway, and this is a this is a very old record. Like it's, you can see it there, isn't it? Ten inch, yeah. It's a ten inch record. So it's, it's the old uh, the old record player before. Mightn't be so good. The quality. That's that's what I was going to apologise. Where you had to wind up the gramophone. It's a gramophone record, basically. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, scratcher, and he uh, he he took the Mickey out of the Irish, and he wrote a song for them uh, called uh, "The Irish Black Bottom." Black Bottom, yeah. yeah. Well, and he jazzed it. He took an Irish tune and he jazzed it up, and he turned it into a foxtrot. When they were talking about Black Bottom, what was, what was that was the name of a dance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did that mean it was part of their anatomy? <laughs> No, I think it was just the name of the song. Just as we listen to it there. Anyway, we shall have to wind up the gramophone there. And (laughs) have to bid good night to all our uh, listeners in the meantime. Throw the needle down on the Good night from myself, Cal Cassidy. Seamus, Sarah, and good Good night. night. Thanks for listening. Night from Eamon, yeah. Bye now.
You are listening to a podcast from Dundalk FM, Dundalk's local community radio station. Do get in contact if you would like to find out how to join our team of sports, music, news and current affairs community broadcasters on dundalkfm.com or find us on Facebook.